Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to fellowship each other, Father, to fellowship you. Father, we pray now that your word will go forth. It will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. Father, we pray that everything said and done today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. All right, now, this is a think-for-a-minute joke. It might take a second, but I need you to be on your listening ears, okay? All right, y'all good? All right, so two old rednecks were sitting around one day talking about if they needed their wife or not. And the old guy said, yeah, I think I'm going to break down and buy me a wife. And he said, buy you a wife? He said, yeah, I got this book. And he flipped a Sears and Roebuck book out, and he showed a picture of the woman and said, I believe I'm going to buy this one, and the price ain't too bad either. <laughs> Fella said, okay. So a couple weeks go by, and this buddy comes back to him and says, hey, man, did you get your wife yet? And he said, no, but I believe she's fixing to get here because I got her clothes in the mail the other day. <clears throat> when I told that to my mama, she did not get it. <laughs> it took like a couple of times to, the clothes got here last week. Okay, all right. <clears throat> so last week we talked about faith comes by hearing, right? And we talked about what we're hearing creates the faith on the inside of us. Now, I'm going to try to get this in the first try. Yo, who in here has got a toolbox? Toolbox? Anybody? Toolbox? Does your tools do anything if you keep the box latched and closed and in the closet? No, you can have all the tools on the planet, right? But if you don't ever open them up and physically take them out and use them, I mean, you can have a really nice-looking workshop, but without touching the tools or making the tools do what they're supposed to do, they're pretty useless, right? Same thing with our faith. You can have the faith to move mountains, right? You can have the faith that, that, that framed the universe. And if you refuse to put the faith in motion, it is just as useless as those tools sitting in the toolbox. In fact, and I'm going to stretch here to make a comparison, I believe faith is like a tape measure. It's the measure of faith, right? How many folks can show up and do a job without a tape measure? Almost everybody has a tape measure, right? And it depends on what kind of field they're in or what kind of tape measure they tote, right? Guys who do trim work has got a little tiny tape measure. Guys that do framing has got a little bit bigger tape measure. People that lay out the whole building, boy, they got a long tape measure, 200, 300-foot steel tapes. Depends on what kind of project you're working on. Is it how much a tape measure you need? You know, if you're trying to build this podium right here, you don't need anything more than a four-foot tape with little tiny lines on it because all of those corners have to be exactly perfect. But if you go set out this building, that takes a big tape measure. If you go figure out this 82-degree arc right here across the front of this stage, it can take a big tape measure, that whole field over there, and about four people. And, and you're still going to guess when you get back in the building. I'm just saying from experience, this 82-degree radius right here was very difficult. 82-foot radius, I'm sorry. So our faith has to be used, and our faith matches the circumstances we're in. If you come to lay the building out, and you bring a 12-foot tape measure with, you know, 30 seconds marked out on it, you're pretty worthless. Yet if you go to build cabinets and you, build a, you bring a 300-foot tape measure, you're equally as worthless, right? But when our faith, and we've heard our faith, and we have faith on the inside of us, 
We have to actually put that faith into motion. And James says, faith without works is dead. And a lot of people, well-meaning, good Christian people, hang salvation in that. So we're going to start with Romans, <clears throat> the book of Romans, chapter 10, um, verse 9. For if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, how is that? Because James says, faith without works is dead. Well, faith that you believe that Jesus is Lord, right? And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then action, right? Y'all know like when they do the old movies and they get ready and everybody's ready to go. And then they say, action, right? And everybody starts running and jumping or whatever. I don't know. I've never really been in a movie. But you know what I'm talking about. Everybody stands still and gets ready. And then action and stuff starts happening. So nine is the faith. Jesus is Lord. You believe it in your heart, and you raised him from the dead. Ten, for it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with the mouth that you profess your faith, and you are saved. You can profess and not believe it in your heart and not be saved. You can believe it in your heart and not profess it and not be saved. That action goes with that faith. It's a corresponding action. So if you were building cabinets, you'd chew up with a little tiny tape measure, and you'd measure it out to the 32nd, to the half a hair, just whatever, perfect, right? But if we're talking about salvation, the corresponding action with salvation is believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. That is the whole equation. That is it. It's done. You believe in your heart, and you say with your mouth that you were saved, you're saved. So that faith is pretty easy, right? In theory. If we're talking about something other than that, then faith gets stretched a little bit further. So let's, let's go to see what Mr. James wrote himself. No, it's not. Let me quote it. Well, I guess I need to read this. Oh. So James 2, verse 14 this is what I was quoting a minute ago or, 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 or summarizing. What is good, <clears throat> what good is it, my brothers, that if you some claim to have faith but have no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes but does nothing <clears throat> and daily food. And if one of you say to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by an action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. So show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Right? So it's the corresponding actions that, that I believe in my heart and say with my mouth, I'm going to be saved. Right? Everybody good so far? So we flip over a page or two in James. James brings up some other scenarios. Right? He, he talks about faith and action and action and faith. But he gives you some pretty specific scenarios of where this works. Um, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So 
when he gave the scenario what was taking place, he gave us some actions to go with it. Likewise, in the beginning, he said, if you are naked or hungry and I tell you to be well and warm, y'all ever thought about that? You're rolling down the window, some guy standing on the side of the street, hey, buddy, I hope you have a great day. I hope your belly's full. Roll the window back up. How insulting would that be? Me and Crystal were in Augusta yesterday, and, 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 and I, I, the one of the terriblest situations I've ever seen is a guy with no legs and one arm. And he was standing on the side of the road, but he never came to where I could see him. He was behind us the whole time. And I'm sitting there praying, Lord, send him up here. Lord, send him up here. Lord, send him up here. What an awful situation to be in, no legs and one arm. And he's walking down the road. Lord, send him up here. Lord, send him up here. He did not come. I don't know. But, but if I would have said, hey, buddy, how, how's everything going? You run a race later? I mean, it, it'd be pretty tough, right? So when James talks about faith without action... As Christians, we have that toolbox, and in our toolbox is that faith that God has given us, that we have the measure of faith. And if we're not putting it into action, if we're not living according to faith, right? Habakkuk says, 2, 4, says that the righteous will walk by faith, right? That we are supposed to walk by faith. That everything that we do and touch and say, we should be walking by faith in God. And you're like, well, I know, but that seems awful vague. No, it's not. We should have faith in God in everything that we touch and everything that we do and everything that we say, and we should have the corresponding actions that go with it. Even if we have to come back to what James said is, are you in trouble? Then pray about it. Are you happy? Then sing praise songs. If you're sick, then go get somebody to pray for you. Right? We, we have examples of times of where we are supposed to show up and God has laid out what we're supposed to do. If you need salvation, you have to believe in your heart and say with your mouth. And what happens is, the men and women of God, a lot of times are faith. I know y'all don't think I'm fixing my hair. My head itched. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get it right. The men and women of God, when they were faced with situations to where things didn't look like they were going to work out or things didn't look like they thought they should the bible talks about them doing it by what by works no by faith all right so turn with me to hebrews the only book in the new testament we don't know who wrote it um hebrews chapter 11 it's called the hall of fame uh, 11 1 says now faith is the confidence and what we hope for in the assurance about what we do not have. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. All right, here's where we get to the by faith part. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as righteousness when God spoke well of his offerings. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, it was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. 
By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he was commended, condemned the world, and became the heir of righteousness in keeping it with his faith. By faith, when Abraham was called to go a place that he later received the inheritance, obeyed and went. Right? By faith. Did it look like an easy choice? Nope. Did it look like something that was uh, pretty easy to work through? Nope. But by faith, they successfully completed what was put in front of them. And as it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without a tape measure, it is impossible to build anything. It looks like it's supposed to. I mean, y'all might have cut some boards close or something and stack them up and kind of lean them together. I mean, I've seen some stuff some folks built, and I don't know if they had a tape measure or not, but you, you know what I'm saying. We, when we work, when we're talking about faith, it is something that we have to be conscious of, right? That we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if we're lacking in faith... How would we grow that faith? Well, really, there's, in my opinion, there's two. One is by hearing God's word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Two is, is actually putting that faith into use, right? To start to understand that I'm going to walk by faith. To start to maneuver and develop you as a Christian that I'm going to walk by faith. By faith, I'm going to tithe what I'm supposed to tithe. By faith, I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to help. By faith, I'm going to witness to my coworkers. By faith, I'm going to whatever. Pick your whatever your scenario is. By faith, I'm going to stop on the side of the road and share the gospel. Why? What's well, by faith? Because unless God showed up to you in person, you, you have to go off of what we are being told on the inside of you that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us ministering to us, Right? So there's no black and white and I mean it's, it's I mean only a few times in my life have I heard the audible voice of God and almost well no the three times I did exactly what I was told to do immediately if not sooner that was not a by faith moment that was by direction by direction you will turn around and go do what I told you to do yes sir I'm going to do that right now by direction, I'm going to drive to Orangeburg and pray for Daryl. By direction. Not by faith. That was not by faith. By faith, I stood up and told that doctor that we are people of faith and we believe he's healed. That was by faith. Going there and laying hands on him was absolutely 100% by direction. I was told to do it. Yes, sir, boss, I will do that right now. But by faith, we live our daily lives. By faith, it develops the Christian that we are on the inside of us. And, and we can't stand on the sideline. It does not one of these folks say, by faith, he hung out and waited on God to show up in his life. Not one time. And it's, just, it's not just those guys. By faith, Abraham, right? By faith, Sarah. And then he come down to 20, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses, by faith Moses, right? It, it's all these people who showed up and did what God told them to do by faith. I mean, they, they led a nation and they, they went and did exactly what God's plan was for their life. At no point in time can I find where by faith they hid in their basement and didn't do anything. 
The Bible says that we are supposed to be the light of the world and we're supposed to go out into all the world and preach the gospel and lay hands on the sick and give to the poor and be the hands and feet of Christ. So when we're showing up and doing that kind of stuff, it's by faith. It don't take a whole lot of faith to sit home and do nothing and not have to deal with anything and not have to put up with any persecution and not have to listen to anybody else's opinion of what you should have said. Y'all ever done that? You ever been in a situation where you were led and said, you know what, I really feel like God tells me I need to do this, and you go do it, and the instant you go do it, like three people tell you they'd have done it different? Ooh, man, that makes me so happy when somebody tells me they would have done it different. Well, praise God, I was waiting on you to do it to start off with. It was your turn. But by faith, we are put here to extend the kingdom, to preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick. That if we're happy, we sing songs, right? And if we're sick, we should get prayed for. It's by faith. I referenced it, and I know y'all have heard the story, but it's always worth telling. Mr. Darrell had his heart attack in 2007. I think it was December the 5th. I was on a job site in North Charleston, and um, Crystal was home with Riley. Riley was just born. She's 15 now. Um, Crystal was getting ready to go back to work, but she had a little tiny baby, and y'all know it's difficult for to get the little baby ready and dressed and in the car and ready to go and mama dressed and everybody's in one piece. And so Crystal was coming to eat with her mama for lunch, and Miss Rourke got a call from um, the company Mr. Darrell works for, and said that he had, was sick and they needed to go see him in, in Orangeburg. And Crystal said, can I meet you for lunch? Sure, absolutely, would love to. And I was working in North Charleston in the old Desperados building, building out Simplex Grinnell. And I hung up with the phone with her and went to go back inside the building. It was, a, it was a tough build. And I started praying about it. And God audibly said, very loudly, if you don't go lay hands on him, he is going to die. And I stopped and was taken back by the idea of what I just heard. And I called Crystal back and said, hey, don't come to North Charleston, go to Somerville. And I will meet, it used to be a head station right there at 199 before all of chaos broke loose right there in that corner. I'll meet you at Somerville at the gas station, I'll be there in just a minute. And so I drove my truck as hard as it would go from North Charleston, met Crystal in Somerville. And I got in her car, and me and her and Riley was running probably 100 going up the interstate. I'm really not sure why. God did not say if you don't drive 100 to go pray for him, he was going to die. He just said you need to go pray for him. I, I was just in a hurry because it was that serious. I'd never been in Orangeburg Medical. I've never been in Orangeburg Medical since. I have no idea how that building lays out. I was praying the entire time on the trip. When I walked in the door, I made a couple of turns down a corridor, down another corridor, through some doors, walked to their room, did not speak to a soul inside that building. When I walked to the door, Miss Rock was standing at the door with her arms folded and crying, and they were beating on him and yelling and screaming and whatever, you know, all the stuff they do on TV and the clear and the stat and the all, yeah. And his blood pressure was 42 over 14. And I told them, I need to lay hands on him or he's going to die. 
And the entire group of people who were beating and yelling and looking looked at me like, have you lost your mind? What are you even doing in here? Of course, they didn't say anything. They moved. I laid hands on him and started praying for him. His blood pressure immediately was like 105 or 108 over 45 or 50. Not great, but a whole lot better than what it was. They put him on the medevac. <clears throat> they medevaced him from Orangeburg to North Charleston. When he got to North Charleston, we sat and waited, and he went into surgery. And I, I praise God that they did surgery because the block was still there when they got there. And when we were asked to go sit in this room, and I don't know if you've ever been in that room, but it's a little room with about four chairs, no windows, and one door. That's not a good news room. If you find yourself in that room, you need to be praying real hard. We walked into that room, and the doctor walked in and said, he's not going to make it. And if he does, like if, if, he's going to have to have a heart transplant. And I stopped him and said, hey, I'm sorry, but we are people of faith. And I prayed for him, and I believe that God's going to heal him. And he laughed and turned around and walked out the door. I'm glad he laughed because he'd have challenged me. I don't know what I'd have done. But he laughed and walked out the door, which, which galvanized me further into knowing that we were going to stand on God's word no matter what, that we were not going to be moved. So as soon as he left, the shock on Crystal and Miss Dorothy's face was unbelievable. Y'all can imagine, right? And I turned around and told them, what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to have. So for the next little bit, you have to be really, really, really careful over what comes out of your mouth. Daryl is unconscious. He has no opinion. You people are going to control what happens next. We believe in God for his healing. So if you can't say we believe in God for his healing, you need to zip your lips. So over the course of the next seven, eight days, Mr. Darrell woke up. Um, they did the heart diffraction, deflection, the reflection number, whatever that number is. And it's uh, eight. And he told us scientifically it never gets better than 50% of what it was. Whatever it is, 50% is all the recovery you'll ever see. It is impossible to see more than that. The second time they did the test, I think it was 27. Now, Miss Rourke's really good in math. I'm sometimes pretty good in math, but I know 8 plus 50% of 8 is 12. 27 is impossible. I think when he had his knee done the other day, it was 40 what? 50. How many 8s does it take to get to 50? It's a bunch, right? <clears throat> What is impossible in the scientific world is not impossible to God. But it was by faith. It was not by faith that I drove there. Like I said, it was a direct command. No doubt. But by faith, over the next seven or eight days, we were challenged over and over and over. He's going to die. He's not getting any better. His blood oxygen level's too low. He's going to have brain damage. He's going to have heart damage. He won't be able to walk. He won't be able to hold his grandchildren. He won't be able to work. He won't be able to do anything. Over and over and over, we were challenged over those eight days by family members, by well-meaning folks, by other pastors, all kinds of people. But by faith and grace, 
we stood and was not moved. Now, Riley's 15, and have you fully retired yet, Mr. Darrell? Yeah, he's still piddling a little bit working. So he's worked for the next 15 years. They said he'd never be able to work again. You can walk a little bit, right? It's by faith. <coughs> in, the, in the idea of what took place, I, I have a really good friend. His wife is an advanced cardiologist nurse, and she does like the, she's trained on like, she can do open heart surgery and like how they massage your heart to start it back beating. And so I was talking to her about what we were seeing and what they were saying. And, and, and she still doesn't believe that she thinks they read the numbers wrong. It's impossible for those numbers to be there and now to be here. I understand scientifically. But by faith, nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Now, that scenario and how it played out, Praise God, we were just obedient and we did what we were supposed to do. I can tell you, I, it scares me bad to think about what would have happened if I'd have uh, told Crystal, no, I can't eat lunch. I don't got time to mess with that. I don't have time to deal with that today and hung that phone up and went back to work. And then it scares me worse to think about how many times that I've actually done that. How many times somebody came up in my spirit that I need to call them. I should pray for them. I need to go talk to them. I'll do it tomorrow. See, by faith, we have to show up and be the hands and feet of Christ. Whether it looks like what you want it to look like, whether it's the outcome that you think it should be, that is irrelevant. It's irrelevant of what we think it should be. You can look at every science book. You can look at all the medical journals. All of them will plainly tell you it does not get better than 50%. But by faith, there is no limit to what God can do. And by faith, it's no limit of what you can do. Jesus said, you can do all the stuff I can do and even more. We have been programmed as the hands and feet of Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. All, A-L-L, -L, all of them. We are supposed to be in that slot. We are supposed to be healing the sick. We are supposed to be laying hands on folks. We are supposed to be ministering to them. We are supposed to be praying for them. We are supposed to be the light of the world. <clears throat> and I hear the answer, well, that's really not my calling now, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is your calling. It's your part. If you're part of the body of Christ, then your calling is to advance the kingdom. Advance it in your house, in your job, on your team, your parents, your children, your boss, whoever that is. The poor guy standing on the side of the road in Augusta with no legs and one arm. It, it, it's... I should have backed up. I, I should have backed up in traffic and went and talked to him. I, I should have done it. But it's we have to be looking for opportunities to be doing good and healing the sick and praying for folks and showing up and doing. We cannot walk through. There's a silly movie where they got the blindfold on and they walk through because where they don't see anything that's going on. I don't even know the name of it. I never watched it. it looked like trash to me. But we cannot be Christians walking around like this going. Lord, if you would just show me who I'm supposed to help. Well, don't make me look at them. 
Lord, just show me who I'm supposed to help. I mean, how many of us are doing that? How many are we just refusing to show up and be who we're supposed to be in Christ? I can tell you, I don't want it on my watch. I don't, I want to be, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want, when we get to the end, I want to be as far in the end as, if that's step 23 or 97 or 4,000, I want to be exactly where God's supposed to be. I want, God wants me to be. By faith, all of those people showed up and did what they were supposed to do. By faith, we're in the same boat. By faith, we are supposed to show up and do what we're supposed to do. I know that's a tough message. It started out with a silly little tape measure um, thing, and then it got real deep real fast, and I'm sorry. But you have the measure of faith in you. It's time that we start putting it to work. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your love. Father, we just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.